This is the Comstock Report podcast. We are strong advocates for the American family farm and your top source for the agriculture markets. And now, here's your host, Mackenzie Johnston. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to today's market recap. It is February 24th. Lots to talk about today, from USDA providing the first look at 2023 crop projections, to the cattle on feed report, to the BSE case discovered down in Brazil. So let's just dive right in. With Comstock Investments' very own Eric Ralph, he is one of our brokers and also the branch manager of our home office up in Royal, Iowa. Let's talk about this cattle on feed report that came out here this afternoon. What are your thoughts on those numbers? They basically uh, met analysts' expectations. Yeah, and that's how I would decipher it. I mean, this was a situation where the market was dialing in fairly bullish figures, and fortunately... The, the numbers lived up to expectations, but didn't exceed them. Uh, the place number was a little impressive compared to expectations, but not enough to really be a market mover. So I wouldn't expect any fireworks off of that, and, and it becomes another situation where what do we look to next week? Um, how about this BSE case that was discovered down in Brazil earlier this week that led to China halting uh, beef imports from Brazil? So that was a that was a big ticket item to start the week. That was cause for explosion in the market on the on the initial open. It simmered by the afternoon. I think the the general anticipation is that yes, it's there. We've seen this before. It's isolated. It's not likely to have a lasting impact on the overall global trade. Hopefully, they'll figure their way through it and, and get things squared away. Our beef exports on on weekly sales as of last week or average so if if this did have any major impact for the short term we will probably see that in next thursday's weekly export sales report so we'll be looking for that but my guess would be not a huge impactful event and they're working their way through it already, so I, I wouldn't expect a ton out of that. Right. So you mentioned they're working their way through it. When we saw this happen here uh, a few years ago in 21, uh, we also expected it to be temporary. They weren't supposed to halt imports for that long. However, it lasted three months. But you think mm-hmm. this situation will uh, be quicker? Essentially, they'll open their doors back up to Brazilian beef here in the next few weeks, you'd say? I, I would anticipate, yes. Uh, weeks to a month or so, something along those lines would seem reasonable. Those situations as they arise obviously create protocol and they did improve their system on tracking and how to handle the next go around, if you will. So I, I think that, you know, given that they did what they were aiming to do back then, they should have that refined and be a little more expeditious this time around. So with the grain markets basically falling from the sky this week, we saw feeders gain some significant ground. Fats, they definitely weren't quite as great, but still positive. So can you touch on the fat cattle trade that we've seen this week? Higher cash trade across the board. The movement that we're seeing right now is 2 to $3 higher than last week. Last week was 1 to $2 higher than the week before. So you're seeing this, this, you know, chunking higher. Uh, we're not, we're not just inching our way up here, uh, fifty cents to a dollar at a time. Th- throughout years, we we've spent steady, steady 
a dollar higher, a dollar lower, you know, that kind of thing back and forth week to week. And now we're moving. If we're steady to a dollar higher on the week, that feels like a failure right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so with that, with that kind of, of sentiment in the market, it's exciting. Uh, we're seeing the results of that on a week-to-week basis in the negotiated cash trade. But it is also cause for concern for some of us who have been around too many times when the entire market gets bullish, everybody gets to the same side of the boat, and then everybody gets wet. So it's a little concerning, but we have to go with the fundamentals, and, and the fundamentals tell us that that's the right thing. Let's talk about the hog markets quick before we move on to the grains. What did we see happen with those markets this week? So hogs this week was uh, a little better than what we saw last week. We did see some sustained cash trade that didn't just seesaw back and forth really hard, although we did see some broadening of the cash ranges. The cash paid on Monday. Of course, Monday was a market holiday, so we didn't have a board, and we were a little out of touch for from a reporting standpoint. But once that was relevant uh, on Tuesday, then we saw just a pop higher. Uh, all contracts traded sharply higher. That was likely just the gut reaction to the market having an extended weekend and then having that higher trade on Monday. That was their first opportunity to react to that, and they did in earnest. But we did simmer back a little bit, finished off the highs a little bit. The overall hog trade, I think, has been hindered this week because of this blizzard that moved across. Uh, Iowa-Minnesota hogs are a significant data point in the hog industry. There's a lot of production in this region of northern Iowa and Minnesota. And so when you have a blizzard move right across I-90, it just really creates a problem from a transport standpoint. Uh, and even choring the hogs and moving them, everything becomes an issue. I, I talked to several people and West Central Minnesota, who were who were doing hog tours from snowmobile. Oh my gosh! Because they had no option. Yeah, this was definitely a bear of a storm. It was, it was, and it was wide, li- literally wide geographically, and, and just almost straddled that I ninety corridor. And and so you know, there's South Dakota, Minnesota, Iowa, um, Spirit Lake, Iowa, where I live, we had eleven inches. Uh, you didn't have to go very far north from there you know, 100 miles north and and give or take east and west, and you had two feet. So let's move on to the grains. USDA provided the first look at 2023 crop projections at the annual Ag Outlook Forum in D.C. this week. What are your thoughts on those numbers that were released? Lots of big acre numbers and big yield numbers being thrown out. There were, and and it it was surprising be honest, I, I I didn't expect a lot out of it. I, I think I said as much last week. This is usually kind of a marking time until we get to the March 31st uh, prospective plantings. But I think they threw numbers out that kind of shocked people a little bit. Uh, on the corn side, we saw five data points that are key. Uh, the 91 million acres versus 88.6 last year. On the yield side, a 181.5, that's a new record by five bushel if realized. That's eight bushel above what we did last year. So you're you're talking dramatic differences, and then that's taking your carry from slightly over a billion bushels to closer to two billion. If those numbers come to fruition, and and the USDA is accurate on their usage side, uh, you're looking at a one nine billion carry. Uh, we haven't seen that in a long time. And then I think the one that really shocked was the average farm price of five sixty versus this marketing year of six seventy. So you're a dollar ten lower. And really, when you look at 
the futures market in conjunction with basis levels right now, you see a dollar fifty in a lot of areas, and so I don't think that dollar ten is unachievable. But that's a that's a dramatic difference. And then you take your stocks to use from a nine one to a thirteen percent. Those were game changing numbers if they become realized, and so so it definitely surprised the market. And this is a market that had been sideways and been looking for input. Unfortunately, it came in the form of a bear. So these numbers that the USDA put out this week, they are the main culprit for our grains basically taking a nose nosedive. I would say they were the they were the ignition. And then then you had focus going to option expiration today because we did have March grain options expire today. And then you have what what we call a Goldman roll or or futures rolls where they're getting out of March contracts because Tuesday is first notice day for March futures. So you get into the delivery period for March futures on Tuesday. Most don't want to be in that situation unless you're five miles from a terminal in St. Louis or something along those lines. You don't want to be put in that position. So spec longs have to get out. That creates some meltdown. There's also a little bit of market maneuvering that goes on, particularly by the funds. When you get an expiration at 650 to the tick on March corn, there's a whole lot of puts and calls at that strike price that become essentially worthless, except to the people who wrote them months ago, who then bled all the time value out of them. So a little bit about things going on down in South America. Argentina crop estimates continue to be cut, specifically soybean production estimated at 33.5 million metric tons, down sharply from 38 million metric tons. Corn production estimated at 41 million metric tons, down from 44.5 million metric tons. How are these reports, how are these numbers impacting the market, if they are at all? What are your thoughts? Well, I think you're seeing it in the soybeans already. The soybeans have been outperforming all other grains by a fair amount. Although we haven't seen any just explosively higher trade in the soybeans, they have held their own and remain in their upward trend where corn and wheat both have collapsed short term. And so you're already seeing some of that on the soybean side. Corn, it's early. They're still much like the USDA with their forum numbers, they're still kind of sticking their thumb in the air and trying to figure out what direction things are going. But, you know, the the soybean number, you drop 5 million metric tons out of Argentina, and then and then you have the potential of dropping another 5 million metric tons out of Rio Grande do Sul in Brazil. And then you come back to those numbers we were talking about last week, where all of a sudden you could be, you know, 14 to 16 million tons short on, on the soybean side. And that's, half a billion bushels. So it it does become significant, and I think the soybeans are showing us that. So let's move on to the news concerning Mexico and GMO corn. Mexico, of course, is one of our biggest and most reliable corn importers. However, they plan to limit GMO corn imports, but they will still import it for industrial use animal feed. How is this impacting the market, or how do you see it impacting the market in the future? I think we saw some days where the the corn market was a little reactive to some prevalent headlines regarding this. Anytime the USDA is putting out notifications and Vilsack's giving speeches and things of this nature are going on, the market pays attention. So, so you see a reaction. 
and then, and then you have to digest it. And so then in the days following, you might see some, some subtle shifts back the other way. And I think that's kind of, kind of the case with this situation. Mexico has a lot of cattle to feed. And if they continue to import U.S. corn for livestock feed, that should bode well for this entire situation. You know, if they, if they put that caveat in there, well, for industrial and animal feed usage, okay. We have a, a rail line set up specifically to get U.S. corn to feeding regions in Mexico. That makes us by far and away their most affordable option, which is why they are our number one importer of, of U.S. corn. I don't see this as much more than a, for lack of a better term, a manipulating tool. They are probably trying to leverage other angles uh, and using this to get there. But there are provisions in the USMCA that keep this from, from being legal, for lack of a better term, and the U.S. government has said that they would pursue uh, whatever rights are owed to them through the USMCA if it came down to it. But they're trying the diplomatic approach, and I think eventually they'll get there. Let's touch on the topic that just keeps giving tensions with Russia, the Ukrainian war, everything going on over there. Earlier this week, China essentially said that they now stand with Russia with the war against Ukraine. Tensions continue to rise, especially after we saw Biden take a little trip to Ukraine this week. A whole bunch going on over there concerning Ukraine. And now that China is in the mix, things are just getting scarier. What are your thoughts on that situation and how you see it impacting and how it will impact the markets in the future? I believe that it is factoring in. I think it's given a, a massively negative undertone to the entire marketplace, not just on the commodity side, but also in the equities. We saw some sharp losses in the S&P, the Dow. Although we are still higher for the year, we are barely higher for the year because we've taken so much back in the last 10 days that wiped out seven weeks worth of gains. So the the effects are there. You're going to see it the most in the energy complex. You're going to see it in places like cotton. Uh, we talked a little bit about those last week. The weekly export sales were surprisingly high in cotton. Uh, they were a marketing year high, and it is mid-marketing year right now. So what's happening there is a little bit odd. China is still buying. They still need product. They're still trying to reopen. We are still the primary source for some things. They're going to get all they can from South America. Uh, they've made that apparent just in their financial investment into the infrastructure down there. But how this is going to affect things moving forward could be much more significant. And, you know, there's a, there's a long way for this to play out. Mm -hmm. and, and nobody really knows what angle it's going to go. But it can't be good in the end. And, and David has said in prior Comstock reports that he feels that if if this is where we take the country, that it would be a worst-case scenario for both countries. And, and I can't agree more. It, it's financially debilitating to the global economy and, and really to a lot of uh, of the global trade agreements that kind of connect east and west. And, and of course, you've you've heard Putin scrutinize the West over and over and over. And so, you know, maybe he's achieving exactly what he wanted to. Yeah, it's definitely a scary situation. Before we wrap up today, is there anything else you'd like to cover? Probably the thing that I'm watching most is uh, we did close uh, front month corn right at support and right at 650. 
which was a major strike price for option expiration. We do go into delivery on Tuesday from all March grains, corn, soybeans, bean oil, bean meal, wheat, everything March goes into delivery on Tuesday. So I would like to see this support level hold. Otherwise, we, we kind of open the door to something quite more significant in both corn and wheat. If that door does open and we see further weakness there, then we could be dragging the soybeans out of their uptrending channel. And, and, and this happening at a time, I mean, we're right in the peak of Brazilian harvest. They're flooding the market with soybeans right now. So a lot to watch in the, in the coming couple of days. It'll be interesting to see how we wrap up things next week after we get past that Tuesday uh, barrier. For a more complete version of the Comstock Report with hedging strategies and trade recommendations, subscribe on our website at Comstock.com or reach out to one of our risk management specialists about how we can help you protect your profits. Futures trading involves risk. The risk of loss in trading futures and or options is substantial, and each investor and or trader must consider whether this is a suitable investment. Past performance is not indicative of future results.